welcome to Bakesh Podcast, take three. The first time I pressed record, it crashed. The second time I pressed record, it was in the wrong spot. The third time I pressed record, it worked. So my name is Don, and sitting across from me is... Yeah. And we... Uh, hold on, Scott, we're not recording you. Yeah, hold on, pause. Scott, let's see if we got you. Hello, I'm on here now. Hey, there you All are. All right. I said to hit some buttons. Oh, okay. I am. So this is take four, or did that still count as three? I kept the beginning so people will hear me talk and then not hear you, or maybe hear you in the background. Okay. So either way, Gosh. we're like three and a half, three point five. The Mondayest of Mondays. Absolutely. Unless you're listening on a Friday. No. <laughs> and then it's a f- Monday yeah. of Fridays and or ha- Friday of Mondays. Be happy you aren't going through what we're going. How does through. that work? Yeah. Yeah. Not that really it's that bad, but uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> says you. Yes. So we just we just got finished. This is the first day back of work actually for both of us after a nice Christmas holiday and yeah. um time off and my alarm was a rough alarm this morning just because it went off. Uh, I uh I popped up about 10 minutes before my alarm was supposed to go off. It, because I had to pee. Oh. <laughs> and I was so mad. I looked at my watch and I was like, no. <laughs> and then uh, Jill was like, my wife, she mm-hmm. saw me over there. I was like, I was literally holding my head. She goes, do you have a headache? Do you need some medicine? And I was <laughs> like, no. I had to be up in five minutes. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was like, I'm just going to wake up. She goes, what time is it? I was like, it's 548. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when like I wake up like even within an hour. And if I look at the time and I see that, I just can't get back to sleep because then I know that like, right. it, I, I know that I only have an hour and then I get frustrated that I can't get back to sleep. And then like, it's just a downward cycle from there. I, um, so I never, ever look at the clock in the middle of the night if I got to pee. Uh, so I've got, if I have to pee, I don't normally, but I had that kind of feeling. So what, I, um, I've been going to bed like at 1130 so late right it is um and i've been getting up around 7 30 so i i didn't want to rush i normally get up around five and i didn't want to like rush back into that early morning so i set my alarm for six Uh thinking i just over this week kind of dial it back to my normal time right and uh man that just i just had this feeling that it was about the it it, it was about the time like i just kind of knew it so i looked and i was just no 10 minutes man 10 minutes (sighs) but uh if I can't go back to sleep, I've found that if I switch sleep locations, it works. Really? Like so when you say locations, like you just turn around in bed or just go somewhere else? I'll go somewhere else. Okay. I'll go down. We have a, we have a big old, I have a big old family. So we have a big old couch. And uh, sometimes I'll go to that because okay. there's like this part that like juts out from the end that like is basically a bed mm-hmm. just with a couch back. Um, I Typically, that's my first spot. Okay. Um, my other spot, we have a second, just a normal white couch in our front sitting room. Right. I don't know what you call that room. I don't know. Um, and I'll, I'll go to that one sometimes. Okay. But yeah, it's just, it was just annoying. So I got up and worked out and went for a run and did all that fun stuff. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> once my brain turns on, I'm in so much trouble. Because then I was like, ooh, what am I going to do today? Uh, did I finish this lesson plan? Well, I'll go make a lesson plans for this. All right. I'm going to do this instead. And man, I'm just done. So, yeah, maybe I should try the the change location thing. Yeah, I do change location. That's like my go-to. Um and then I use the uh the binaural tones. Uh-huh. Uh sometimes I can't usually find a good one, but if I can, I will. Uh it's just like boring like 
I do not explain it. Like just um So now wake up your wife? No, I'll do it downstairs if I switch locations. Oh, okay. Um usually if I'm stuck awake, uh welcome to the Sleepy Time Podcast Podcast. If I'm stuck awake, uh it's usually because sinuses are draining or something, okay. or I have allergies or whatever. Um but yeah, so I usually try it. I don't usually have a lot. I just couldn't sleep. Um I'll read if okay. I have to, you know. Yeah, if my brain kicks in, that's when I'm in trouble. Now now when I say I read I don't read on a smartphone. Like I don't oh, read yeah, on a screen. That's like the worst you can that's what do. I heard. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, my bad. This morning was just a little bit like, no, ten minutes. Yeah, ten minutes is rough. So tomorrow I'm like, do I do I go ten minutes earlier than today? Or <laughs> do I go to the what I did today and see what happens? Just don't look at your clock. Do you have like one of those clocks or do you just have your cell phone? No, I have a watch. Um I have um, a cell phone, but I try and I have a do not disturb in the room. Okay. Uh because that's where the <coughs> charger is. Okay. I've thought about getting an alarm clock, but I'm afraid that I'd look at it and see it too yeah, much. Yeah, I don't even want an alarm clock. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just my cell phone. And then I turned it upside down because, like, if you hover over my cell phone, it goes on. It, like, not goes on, but it'll oh, show you the it time. Yeah. It's like, no. So I have the uh, wireless charging. Mm-hmm. And mine sits in a cradle. Oh, okay. So technically, I could tap it and see the time, but I'd rather not. Okay. I just look at a watch. Got it. Okay. Probably not much better. Yeah. Just don't look at it and here's me fumbling in the dark. You'll never know you got 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. my like I would have w- woke up, went to the bathroom, came back and then the alarm would went off and I'm like, no, <laughs> but whatever. I'm fine. I'm fine. First day back at work. It's fine. Mm-hmm. What'd you fucking sleep? Actually, no, I'm right here going, all right, keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. Yeah. So if this is a shorter podcast, people. It's because we just couldn't make we it. We fell asleep. Yeah. I usually like I've been sleeping in two or three hours later and my normal time is 420. So 420 came early this morning. Yeah. Oh. Every morning. And man, I was like, oh, how about 425? <laughs> I used to do 430. But if I want to get my full workout in and my uh, full like Bible study in, I got to get up at 420. We might be switching what time our youngest goes to preschool. Mm-hmm. Um, and before all you uh, homeschoolers get mad, he's got special needs. So he goes for therapy. Uh, <laughs> basically, um, we uh, might switch him to the afternoon. OK, uh, there's a teacher that has a lot more experience um, that we're probably going to switch to. And uh, if that happens. I might sleep in until 530. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I might not even. Let me know what that's like. I'll let you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my my, uh, my idea of sleeping in is, is like Sunday at 7 o'clock. I was like, ooh, I slept in until 7. We, this Sunday I slept until like 7, 730. Yeah, I slept until 8. Well, my alarm went off at 7, and I was like, nope. nope. Yeah. And then I was like 8 o'clock. And uh, then I was like, ooh, we're going to be late for church. <laughs> uh, I was uh, serving at our church, and I was just like, I can just go and I can walk to my church. It's like literally a quarter mile away from my house mm-hmm. i was like i can just get up and just go and they can just go in the van and meet me there i can without disturbing anybody so i let them kind of sleep a little longer oh, nice did my thing nice that's what i do okay so that's I taught, a nice little i walk. taught the sunday school so proud of you yeah so anyway um did you yeah. need any horse uh actually i used um yeah. is it this chapter I think so I used we, a verse. You weren't teaching kids Sunday school, right? Yeah, I was. I was teaching junior high. I guess that's better than like elementary. By the way, you're a bunch of whores. Yeah. Um, you should. No, I used the. I thought was it this one where he talks about um they get their oracles from walking sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used that verse in there because they're we were talking about idols and stuff. Okay. We we're talking catechism. Uh, what are the first 
or what did the first three commandments say? Yeah. Um, and when we were talking about idols and what they looked like and stuff like that, and I was like, well, you you guys will hear it in a second probably, but I was like, it's kind of this mocking tone in Hosea. Mm-hmm. Let me read this to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I was telling him about Asherah poles, and I was like, literally, some of them were just like a stick with a decoration on it, and they're like, why would you do that? I was like, well. <laughs> Did you go into more details about that? No, I did not. <laughs> I did say it was a fertility thing. Because uh, <laughs> we, we were actually, we had a picture of uh, Baal uh, in the bowl form. Okay. And I was like, you ought to meet his wife. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of fun. I'm sure that uh, one of our pastor's sons was in there. And mm-hmm. I told him, I was like, hey. And now he's actually a little bit younger, but... Um, his class didn't have, there's a lot of sick kids. So his class was pretty empty. Mm-hmm. So I just took him into mine. So he's probably a fifth grader. Okay. And I'm like, so you should go home and read first and second Samuel. And I'm giving him some of the details and I'm like, ah, might hear from your dad on this one. <laughs> Don's not allowed to teach Sunday school. Cause he showed I, pictures of the Asherah pole and the wooden <laughs> idols. No, no, it's more because I said like, Oh yeah, there's that part where uh, Samuel like hacks up the King in front of Saul. And it's, more brutal than I'm remembering. And now there's a kid sitting here. I, I don't think they'll care, but it was just funny. So, yeah. Hey, we're in Hosea, though. All right. Anyway, where which, we are going to say the word horror about 77 times. Yes. So. And that's biblical, at least in the ESV version. Um, I've, uh, I had some bones to pick with both translations on this one. Mm-hmm. And I actually talked to a uh, person in my life who is a, who has a doctorate, uh, is a uh, Presbyterian minister. And he, does know Hebrew and Greek. Oh, okay. What do you say? Really well. Um, well, when we get into like verse two and stuff, that's where I was really kind of questioning some of the stuff that was going on there. Um, he did say that this is um, a the language here in the Hebrew is far more. Um, I can't think of the word. Harsh. No lawyer law. Oh yeah, because I think I got courtroom. Some of, Court, yeah, it's courtroom. far more. Mm-hmm. It's far more courtroom than the translations are giving it credit for. And his, um, not necessarily his opinion on this chapter per se, but on the ESV is that they (laughs) erred on a lot of like, well, this is what it's meant for years. So let's continue to use those translations Mm -hmm. as opposed to, no, this is really how it should be translated. Okay. So in the seventies, when the NIV was translated, they kind of did the same thing on some parts. Right. So some of what we're reading is stuck in tradition and not in good translation. Okay. So... All right. It well, is what it is. <clears throat> well, let's dig into it. Yeah. Um, so kind of a background. Um, we are ending Hosea 1 through 3. Um, this is kind of an introductory, kind of a summary to our understanding of the rest of Hosea. Um, so really, um, if you ever get lost within this, uh, kind of a good foundation is to always go back to Hosea 1 through 3 um, to kind of get the idea of kind of what's going on. You've got Hosea. And you've got uh, his wife, Gomer, who um, what we see is a whore, and he, they have some whorish kids, um, <laughs> and uh, with some names that, that kind of talk about... Yeah, have you ever seen the Lego <clears throat> movies? Uh, yeah, I have. Did you see the second one? It's been a while. So in the second one, the little sewer babies, uh-huh. and like Chris Pratt's like, good morning, sewer babies! Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, good morning, whore babies! <laughs> like, what? So we've got the whore babies. <laughs> With some interesting names that ultimately go back to ways that Israel 
um, is ultimately playing the role of the whore, and you have um, our you have God who is ultimately playing the the role of the the faithful husband. Um, and throughout that, God is going to remove everything from um, Israel, his wife, and um, later on, they he will ultimately rewoo her and show Israel, um, his bride, that it is not Baal who has offered all of their uh, all of um, the provisions and fertility that that they have been worshiping and giving Baal credit for, but it has been Yahweh Himself, and so that kind of brings us to Hosea four. And um, uh, I guess helps us on our continued horish journey to through Hosea. Anything else you want to add before we kind of start reading? Um, some <clears throat> scholars believe that we're starting an inclusio. I don't know if you guys recall from Deuteronomy what that means, uh, but basically this is a section within a section. Uh, that has a specific meaning. So it may or may not relate to what's around it, but it would basically be like if you were writing out a contract for a car, you would be like, this car, is, you're going to get the keys to the car and you're going to be allowed to drive it and it's going to have a warranty. And the inclusio might say something like, and in the trunk there are some lawn chairs that I'm going to let you keep. But if you don't want the lawn chairs, you got to give them back to me or I will charge you for it or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And then you go back to saying, and the car will have all four tires and we'll have. So it's kind of like a, a section within the sections, but it pertains to itself, but not necessarily to the sections around it. Okay. But it is still part of kind of that same quote unquote contract. Okay. So we're starting an inclusio, uh, inclusio possibly. Uh, and it, some people say that it's, it could go from chapter four to chapter 11 and some say it could go from chapter four to the end of the book okay um to me it seems like it would make more sense if it went to chapter 11 because that would put it in the inclusio Mm -hmm. and then you would have the bookends Mm -hmm. but i'm not the scholar and some some of the things that i've been reading is is hosea is probably one of the more difficult minor prophets um just due to where it falls with the fall of israel or the fall of the northern kingdom and um how some of it got probably moved or transferred to the southern kingdom and and how there were probably some editors in judah that kind of put some of it together so like um i hear that sometimes the understanding of hosea can be difficult um as to um where the different oracles or pieces fit from kind of what's being addressed throughout the book um, but I, I, that, that's kind of just what I've been reading. So, yeah, I say the, the, the part here, uh, last part is that this is the first proclamation, uh, prophetic proclamation that like kind of falls in line with what you would hear from some of the other prophets. Mm-hmm. So it's the first time he's going to say, hear the word of the Lord. Oh, cho-. like it's going to be the first thus say it the Lord. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, but you're right. There's a lot of, um, hard to understand and sometimes hard to follow because mm-hmm. yeah, it almost seems like they found his notes and made them into a book. Right. In cases. Oh, uh, and since I've been making a point of this and I think it's still important, he's back to talking to Israel here. Okay. He's not addressing <coughs> Gomer or his family. And this isn't some kind of biographical or autobiographical part of the text. This is a proclamation to Israel from God. It is not a proclamation from Hosea about his wife. Okay. So I just want to keep those, Keep those distinct. I think mm-hmm. it's important. So. And and it's hard because it goes back and forth. And I think when we hit right. chapter five, we actually get into some historical pieces that, that kind of fit into to some of those 
that back and forth between who's really talking and that sort of thing. So with that, um, I'm going to go ahead and start, and I'm going to start with chapter four, just one through three. And warning, look at those notes, baby. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they are colorful, pretty notes. That's your fault. <laughs> We're going to do a video on that. I need to, like, I have not been doing that in Hosea like I was in Deuteronomy, and I need to. Yeah, for the video, um, though, we can show old school notes. Oh, absolutely, because Deuteronomy is like... All over the place. Yeah. So hopefully by the time you guys hear this, well, the YouTube channel will have video content. Um, mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I'd love to put on there. So absolutely. A plug right. for whenever that happens. Oh, and just for, um, I guess when we're coming down to like commentaries and that sort of thing, kind of what we've been using, um, I just kind of want to readdress that because um, Elizabeth, oh, I got to open it up real quick. Yeah. Um, Come on, a group text. Dang it. Uh, Oh, I just lost it, and it's not popping up very quickly. Um, sorry, looking, 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 looking. Um, sorry, a little bit of silence. That's okay. um, anyway, I'm looking at the group text. I'm a part so of. with that, um, it is Elizabeth Actmeyer. Um, that is A-C-H-T-E-M-E-I-E-R. Um, I don't know the proper way of pronouncing that, but uh, it's uh, the Understanding the Bible uh, commentary series. Um, so I just call her Elizabeth. Um, and then I'm also utilizing um, a commentary. It's the IVP Bible background commentary. Um, so I've been kind of using those, and I just got a new dictionary this week. And so nice. um, I'll, I'll use that next week when we get into five. So with that, let's go ahead and chapter 4, um, verse 1 through 3. Hear the word of the Lord, O Israel. O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore, the land mourns and all who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and even the fish of the sea are taken away. Hooray. That so sounds encouraging. Happy. Uh, right off the bat, we have, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. It's one of the Hebrew words that the better translation is lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And I got, uh, I guess she said it, it's kind of a, against the northern, it's like a charge against the, the citizens of the northern kingdom. So it's, it's very much a court yeah. term. God is a big fan of courtroom and legal languages. He students, is. So maybe I should have studied law. What's well, one of those I'd things? I'd be a horrible lawyer. Yeah, I would too. Um, Your Honor, my client's guilty, but that's besides the point. <laughs> no, Mr. Dudley, that's precisely the point. <laughs> you know. well, I, I mean, I guess it's one of those things, though. Like, if you're if you're going to a court of law and you've got witnesses and testimony and charges and and that sort of thing, if you're trying to make a case against uh, someone, I mean, utilizing court language almost makes sense because. Right. Um, I mean, they, they, they try and make it as difficult as possible to be found guilty without just cause. Ooh, and, and so here you, I mean, you see God in this, these couple situations and even other times in the old Testament where that courtroom scene, you've got, um, various, I mean, even in Deuteronomy, I think we saw a courtroom scene as well mm -hmm. and the witnesses and who was present and that sort of thing. Um, really helped make a case against God's people. And so the outcome or the the punishment or, or whatever was going to happen. Or the consequences or, yeah. Right, would have been justified because here's what, I mean, 
here's what, what was committed and um, here's how it was committed against this person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's definite. Um, which that actually kind of plays in. I, I, I want to come back to the second half of that verse, but uh, he spells out uh, swearing, lying, murdering, stealing, adultery, breaking bonds, and bloodshed. Mm-hmm. Um, some say that that's a list of seven sins, and uh, some of the Hebrews at the time would have taken that to be uh, basically scoring a perfect score on mm-hmm. the sins that they were doing. Um, and if that's the case, if we were to interpret it that way, uh, it does show that they have enough evidence against them to carry on with the discipline. Oh, very interesting. So, okay. I, uh, yeah, he uh, he listed that as kind of a a secondary meaning. And he said some people stop the uh, list after committing adultery. It just depends on the scholar. But he said if you are to take the basically if we list the seven sins here, Israel is committing, quote unquote, perfect sin and deserves a comprehensive judgment. If five sins are listed, uh, we are just seeing a description of the consequences of that sin with the break all bonds and bloodshed falls bloodshed. Okay. So it depends on which interpretation you're going to buy into. Um, once again, with the lawsuit scene, I could see that being the seven and it making kind of more like, all right, you're guilty of these seven because what follows uh, is really like the land mourns, languishes, beasts of the fields, uh, birds of the heaven, fish are taken away. You know, like it really does kind of show a comprehensive judgment after the fact. Right. So I could definitely see it going that way. Well, cause I mean, you, you see where the, I mean, almost those are like the thing of the fertility of the land. So if you're talking about, right. um, let's see, therefore the land mourns, um, and all who dwell in its, in it languish, um, and also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and the, even the fish of the sea are taken away. So, um, all of those things providing provision, um, which in a sense, Baal is getting credit for that right. fertility from the land. God's going, okay, well, fine. You know, here is, um, here's the, the punishment or the, the consequence for, for the, these actions and, and the charges that are being held against you. Right. Um, I had as part of, part of the indictment and part of the charges, um, that are followed. He talks about no reliability. Um, NIV uses, uh, um, faithfulness. Um, but it's specifically talking about reliability, um, truth in both word and deed. Um, and so Israel is not being reliable. Um, they are showing no loyalty, um, specifically the word has said or steadfast love. Um, so in terms of a relationship, they are not being loyal to their God. We find out in Deuteronomy that that part of that is obeying God's commands. Um, and so as we get a little bit further down and, and we start talking about like um, the swearing or misusing the name of the Lord, the lying, murder, stealing, um, you see those as being part of the Ten Commandments. So if there's no loyalty um, to God or Hesed or, or steadfast love, um, part of what that was supposed to look like in Deuteronomy in, the, um, in Deuteronomy was basically obeying God's commands. And so you see a specific breaking of God's commands, at least according to Elizabeth. She says these are basically, um, if you look at Exodus and you look at the Ten Commandments, are specific actions against the Ten Commandments that were laid out um, in Deuteronomy. Um, and then it also talks about um, no knowledge of God. And basically, uh, I'm going to read specifically what she says. She says, to have knowledge of him is to know what he has done (coughs) 
and said in the past, and therefore to love him and cling to him like a faithful wife to her husband or like an obedient son to his father and an intimate relation of devotion and trust. Um, and so I think, again, because of this idea, when you move on to there is swearing, lying, murder and stealing, I can kind of see how if you're talking about no knowledge of God, no knowledge of the past and no knowledge of those commands. Um, I can see where the breaking of the Ten Commandments could kind of fit within those actions of lying, stealing, committing adultery, etc., um, if that makes any sense. And so it, it seems like they're kind of laying out that court scene as right, here's the, the court case. scene, here's the charges, here's what we see, here's the specific actions that prove that there is no knowledge, that proves that there is no loyalty, that proves that there's no reliability. And so because of that, well, guess what? Um, I will take away that fertility that you've been giving credit to bail for. When the, uh, so when I was reading, and uh, I apologize, I do not remember the name of my author, no, you're fine. Um, he was saying the knowledge of God speaks not only to knowing God, but living in the knowledge uh, of God and that their lives would not be reflecting the truth of who God is. Uh, stating further that it's a matter of they know because there's a syncretism going on. Mm-hmm. There's the worshiping God and other false gods within the same uh, temples and stuff like that. Um, but knowing it, but not abiding by it right. is basically what that's looking at. So it's even worse, like, which that's going to lead into like the definition of swearing there as well. Like they know who God is, but they're lying about their, about their responsibilities to him by living contrary to what he's telling them to live. Mm-hmm. So. Well, we're going to see who gets most of the blame in the next couple of verses. Um, because that no knowledge of God is very much a role that has been established mm-hmm. um, earlier in the, the Torah as to who's supposed to go ahead and communicate um, that knowledge and what those actions look like. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, uh, how about I read that then? Oh, well, re- oh, oh just kidding. Oh, really? So the, um, this is where I talked to my, my friend with the, Hebrew. Oh yeah. I'm um, curious. I was like, so, you know, I've I'm in uh, more of a reform tradition, and uh, I don't know why, but many people in that tradition seem to have no issues with swearing. Um, it, you know, it's it's not uncommon to be having a cookout with the guys and to you know hear the occasional four letter word like it was nothing. You know, maybe it's because I'm in a church of thirty somethings and they're you know they're they're not as whatever. So I was like. Yo, what do you got for swearing here? Get, hook me up. What's this mean? Uh, and him being a PhD, I assume he's smart enough to mm-hmm. understand what I'm asking. Uh, but the uh, swearing here is the word Allah, A-L-A-H. Not Allah, but Allah Okay. Uh, in Hebrew. And uh, actually, let me see, I wrote it sideways for some dumb reason. Uh, it's regarding uh, taking a false covenant oath, saying you will be in a relationship and then doing the opposite. Oh, wow. That's the that's what Allah means there. Okay. Um, it is very rarely translated swearing, mm. um, unless it's in regards to swearing an oath. Okay. Uh, and that is one of the uh, spots where the translators have been following custom as opposed to straight up saying what the word means. Okay. Yeah, because she was saying that it was specifically that that was talking about the misusing of the name of the Lord. Um, but it sounds like the person you talked to 
got a little bit deeper into now that specific Hebrew word. He's the one who also told me controversy lawsuit uh, was the trade-off there. Okay. Um, so he, I think, is putting the entire thing in the context of the lawsuit. And it okay. would make more sense to be basically lying under oath Okay. Uh, for that. And I think that's why he's going with that specific interpretation of the word. Okay. Um, but regardless... It's not dropping a four-letter word. Okay. It's not like God's like, man, this land full of sailors. Yeah. Like these potty mouth <clears throat> people. I'm. It, that is not his chief concern here. Yeah, and she did. She she also took that as not a being a swear word like we would the four-letter word. She right. took it more in the context of lying, murder, stealing. Um, those being part of the the Decalogue or part of the Ten Commandments, and so misusing the name of the Lord would have been a swearing. So right. I think that's how she took that interpretation. And Still, I think both fit within that she courtroom might, she scene. She might be far more seasoned than the guy I talked to, but you know, just either way. Yeah, I think either one actually fits very well within the context of what's being talked about with this court case against Israel. So next time um, with you disobedience. Uh, you know smack your thumb with a hammer and something comes out you didn't mean. Don't think that like the wrath of God is going to rain down on you like it's about to on Israel. Well, that's good because yeah. I actually someone from our church the other day said took me aside and said, you know, you need to make sure you don't cuss in church. And I was like, why the bleep not? OK, <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not, like I said, I, I go to a church that's probably a little more loose with the words. I go to a very, 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 very traditional church. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> I go to a church that has liturgy. <laughs> you go to a church that does not. Right. I go to a church that has like a lot of sacredness about it, like a lot of very like strict, very scripture study, intellectual, et cetera, et cetera. And you don't. My my wife grew up in this church. But my and church so got potty mouths. <laughs> I go here because I'm married to my beautiful wife. Um, so yes, and, and he says that's shocking because. That's really not my personality to be part of a traditional no, type of church. I've known you for a long time, and I remember when we went to the one church and they made our friend take off his hat, <laughs> um, and we were all like, "What?" Uh huh. And now look at you. I look know. At I know. Still don't belong, but um, they all love Jesus. So with that, um, we will move. Let's forward. change the subject. <laughs> So, if anyone from uh, my church... Oh, well, I don't care. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, watch your mouth. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we're not allowed to cuss on here anyway. Right. We, we have a clean uh -huh. podcast, except for when we have to uh, give those little parental advisories. But We have no misusing of the name of the Lord or swearing. We have no lying or murder here on this podcast or stealing. Right. Because we don't want any Jose I or Hordem going no bonds on. And Bloodshedding. Right. So we don't need so any of that whoredom going on in this podcast. All right. What do you got next? Anyway, so um, verse four through six. So we are still in chapter four, verse four through six. Yet let no one contend and let no let, and let none accuse. For with you is my contention, O priest. You shall stumble by day. The prophet also shall stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. Ooh. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I reject, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. This is actually incredibly harsh. Yeah. And it's harsh. Um, so I guess we can start getting in and unpacking some of that. You kind of want to start us off with that. Um, I don't have the NIV text in front of me, but uh, I, I, do you have you, it? 
don't, but I can pull it up on my phone. Okay. Um, so I will uh, we'll pause a second while we pull it up because I don't think everybody wants to sit through us looking for it. So hold on a second, folks. Oh, maybe not. Are you pausing? Or? Nope, nope. Okay. We're going to stay live. So Jose. Uh, we are a professional podcast. got Jose pulled up for you. It's like I knew I had an NIV version around here somewhere. All right. Uh, that's chapter two. That's not going to help me at all. Um, all right. Four, 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 four. But let no man bring a charge. Let no man accuse another. For your people are like those who bring charges against a priest. Now let's read that in ESV. Let no one contend and let no one accuse. For with you is my contention, O priest. Okay. Oh, okay. that's a big difference. That big is a very big difference. difference. So we know. What? What is Google listening to me? Uh, apparently, Google's listening to you, and they want you to check out those results. Funny when I say Hosea and Hordum, Google <laughs> comes alive. Uh, that could be interesting. I don't hey, want to look at those pictures. Hey Gomer, what's the temperature? Uh, I thought she'd respond. Uh, no. <laughs> um, but the uh, if you look at the uh, verse six, I reject you from being a priest to me. The ESV translation there would make a little bit more sense. So. Uh, the commentary says either they are contending with the men of God and they have no right to, or uh, they're acting as a false prophet or a false priest, hmm. which seems to, that second one seems to make more sense in the light of verse six. Right. But yeah, the, the NIV really Messed has a that big one. difference there. Well, cause, and it, and it makes sense with the, the previous context. So like, uh, man, uh, in Bible college, I, I can't get it past context, context, context. Like, it, it's all about, like, making sure that, that what you're reading fits in with the context of the previous um, and the, 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 the scripture that comes afterwards. Right. And so if you're bringing charges What's the against... therefore, therefore? Right. Oh, <laughs> my gosh, yes. <laughs> but if you're, bringing, if you're bringing charges against them for lack of knowledge, it's actually the priest's role to go ahead and make sure that... Um, the people of Israel not only know what God's commands are and, and to know who God is, but also on how to respond and how to, to act. And so if you have a people that, that have no knowledge of God, it actually is, is partially the priest's fault um, for that happening. And I think here what you see is you actually see God saying, well, um, I've got issues now with the priests. Mm -hmm. And so they're partially being blamed for the lack of knowledge that Israel has. Now, not to say that it, it's, it's all the priest's fault, but at the same time, if, if the priest is participating in all of the same things that the people are as well, then that's a problem. Um, when it comes down to, I will destroy your mother, um, I mean, that sounds fairly harsh, but if, if you're talking about Baal being a god of fertility and you see them ultimately trying to, um, to I mean, to uh, they're participating in these rites to, to gain more fertility and, and that sort of thing. Well, if you destroy your mother, you're not going to have any babies. You're not going to grow in population and you're not going to grow as a people. Mm -hmm. So that very thing that they're trying to seek out is the very thing that God's taking away um, because um, 
I mean, he's basically destroying their fertility. He's saying, well, guess what? Your bail, bail is not going to be helping you out. And in fact, um, very much the opposite. I'm, here's some of the punishment I'm bringing upon you. Well, and some of that, um, I will destroy your mother. Uh, it goes both to destroying uh, like what they're falsely worshiping, but inevitably that leads to the entire destruction of Israel. Oh, absolutely. So it's not just, a, oh, gosh, he's going to destroy the idols and we'll be okay. It's more like, He's going to destroy what they think the idols are doing. So that all that, like, yeah, the the fruit of the land, the, you know, the animals that feed off of the land, all the stuff we read about earlier will be destroyed as well. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's going to cut off everything they thought that God was providing, that fake false God was providing. And then ultimately, since they rejected God's teaching, he's basically saying that he's going to reject them. Yeah. Um, and, and really, it even goes down like, you know, you think that you always want the best for your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you want them to have a good future, you know, like part of the reason I want my daughters to do well in school is because I want a good future for them as a teacher. I want my students to do well because I want to see them be successful. I I want the best for them. And so probably one of the hardest things as a teacher for me, and I would assume probably the hardest thing for a parent, uh, my my daughters are still younger, uh, for if, if, if the, the kid being the student and or the, the, the child ends up rejecting the the ways that they should go or, or being unsuccessful in life that's I mean that, that that's not something I want to see but ultimately you have in the the end of six he says and since you have forgotten the law of your God I also will forget your children I mean the future of their children would be to be priest as well um, and so he's ultimately rejecting the very future of um, those the 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 priests that were supposed to be the priests after the priests, like well, the, the kids of the priests. Yeah, right. Because yeah. they would stick within the same line, <coughs> right? The same uh, tribe and stuff like that. Yeah, that's the um, uh, the the punishment is actually spelled out harsher because of that priest lineage. Because now there's like this hundred percent. I will also forget your children. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like saying that there's you know there's almost no hope. Right. Uh, because they have rejected uh, versus uh, you have rejected knowledge. So basically, once again, they know who God is and they're refusing it. Right. So I think this is coming off the cuff here. Um, I almost feel that this is the uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit text that people get kind of worked up about because they don't know quite what it means. Right. I would almost point to this section of Hosea to help define that. It's knowing and rejecting who God is. It's knowing that the rules, the laws, the statutes, and still rejecting that and following your own path. Because mm-hmm. you're looking at the priests here who know and are rejecting. Right. And not only rejecting, they're participating. Right. Um, I mean, so it's not even one of those that they're just like, you know, I'm not going to teach it. I'm not going to help make corrections of the behavior that is going on in Israel. I mean, they're very much a part of everything that's going on, and, and yet they shouldn't be. Um, yep. Yeah, so another, another nice, tough love passage there. Oh, yeah, it, get, keep, it, it keeps getting more fun, though. I'll read some more then. All right, verse 7 through 10. 
The more they increase, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. They feed on the sin of my people. They are greedy for their iniquity. And it shall be like people, like priests. I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. They shall eat, but not be satisfied. They shall play the whore, but not multiply. Because they have forsaken the Lord to cherish whoredom, wine, and new wine, which take away the understanding. So the they here is either the priests or the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> I, I I took it as they are still. I don't know. Um, is, is it uh, God could be saying the more false priests and false prophets um, are, are increasing, basically their influence and their uh, lies, basically their sin, are taking over the entire nation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I couldn't find a definitive of if, if they was the priests and prophets or if it was the people themselves. Cause uh, it, when you look at Ezekiel, um, he has a few prophecies specifically against like the corrupt priests. Uh-huh. And this almost kind of falls in that same vein. If we continue that God's going to judge them as well. Right. But I don't know. That's another, I think, I don't think it's. I mean, I think so. I believe that all people who are Christians should be built, uh, headed towards some of the qualifications, like you see for deacons and elders. Like mm-hmm. that should be your strive, no matter what. Right. Um, so I don't think that you would read this and think like, oh, well, this is only talking about the priests and the prophets. I think you would still say like, well, I desire to uh, live my life in that manner, so I should still heed these warnings. Right. Well, it looks like see they're more increased. So in verse eight, no, nine, it says, and it shall be like people, like priest. Yeah. I will punish them for their ways. So maybe he's bringing it back to P the, I mean, everyone at this point, um, because right. everyone's participating in the being drunk in the, and that's where the, the note that I got was that it could be like the false priests or prophets that are basically their influence is spreading over the entire nation and it's spreading into the people. Like they're, you know, they could be the perpetrators of all this crap, <laughs> mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. They're the ones that are spreading it and saying, oh, no, it's OK. It, it, you know, it's it, it's fine to come into the tabernacle and bring your little Asherah pole with you or, you know, whatever happens to right. be your little token of fake gods or whatever. Well, kind of that idea that the people are modeling after the priests. Yeah. Which they're seeing them as authoritative. Right. Which is. Still happens nowadays. Right. I mean, it's supposed to be that way. You're supposed to look at the priests and yeah, and and follow what they're doing and, and know that you are following God by by following and modeling after them. But mm-hmm. in, in this situation, that's not necessarily it's not necessarily a good thing. Well, you also need to know and learn when things are going the way of sin. Right. Basically. Right. So. All right. So. um Oh, I should have gone through 12. I did not. Okay. That's uh, okay. Um, 12. Is, 12 is the verse I was reading my kids at Sunday school. Oh, okay. So, so this is why Don's not allowed to teach little kids anymore. Right. My people inquire of a piece of wood, and their walking staff gives them oracles, for a spirit of whoredom has led them astray, and they have left their God to play the whore. Um, I may have stopped before part B. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically, this has led them to uh, turning ridiculous things into gods and seeking uh, answers from common objects that have no power from 
uh, carved pieces of wood to literal pieces of wood. I love these. And their walking staff gives them oracles. Like, you know, I just imagine some guy, you know, dressing up as a wizard at Comic-Con. And like, this is my staff. It tells the future, you know, kind of thing. So how, God, how silly that is. How silly of a picture is that? I was about to say, is God making fun of him? <laughs> um, I think, I, think uh, I, mean, I think there's a little, it's a little bit of a burn here. Well, you, I, I think it really is. That like, even if I were to take and carve something beautiful out of a piece of wood, at the end of the day, it's still a piece of wood. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you actually see many times where prophets and, and God's people end up making fun of um, a, little, a little snark. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you've got what Paul did it. You've got what Elijah did it. Just yeah. pour well, more water. I mean, well, maybe your he, God can't hear you. He might be in the bathroom. Right. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I, I could very much see that being, you know, uh, um, let me make fun of you because you're going to your staff for knowledge and wisdom. Well, <laughs> that's yeah. dumb. Uh, I, re I really think there's a little bit of a snark right in, that could be read right into this and you're fine. Uh-huh. All right. So verse 13 um, through 16. They sacrifice on the tops of mountains and burn offerings on the hills under oak poplar and terebinth because their shade is good therefore your daughters play the whore and your brides commit adultery i will not punish your daughters when they play the whore nor brides when they commit adultery for the men themselves go aside with prostitutes and sacrifice with cult prostitutes and a people without understanding shall come to ruin though you play the whore o israel let not judah become guilty enter not into gilgal nor up nor go up to Beth Haven and swear not as the Lord lives like a stubborn heifer. Israel is stubborn. Can the Lord now feed them like a lamb and a broad pasture? Well, um, I think you've got a picture of, of let's see, verse 13. Um, so some of the trees and things that they're talking about, um, these were some of the high places, some of the places that um, they would ultimately um, be worshiping Baal. Um, so some of those trees that are listed are, are, are really some of the, the places that, that they would go and do some of these um, acts. acts. Um, There's a lot of uh, uh, screwball sexual practices that were going on. Mm -hmm. um, I can't even think of the words that you typically would use, but... Um, and what's also interesting is that a lot of these uh, high places and the burnt offerings under the certain trees and so on and so forth um, suggests it's actually a pantheon of gods. Mm, like there, oh really? there's probably multiple worship. And uh, with like the burnt offerings and stuff like that, there could also be worshiping Yahweh mm. at the same time. So there could be this whole plethora of crazy going on well, i think we got some of that in the the earlier hosea one through three somewhere didn't we see where um god got angry that he was even being mm -hmm. he doesn't even want to be a part of any of that and yet they're going to those places well yeah i guess when he's talking about the new moon sacrifices and things like that well e even when you get into 15 <laughs> here when he says though you play the horror of israel let not judah become guilty uh enter not into gilgal and all this other stuff like he's he's saying like um oh and swear not as the lord lives because basically he's addressing their synchronicity i made up that word uh, uh, like he's addressing their dual worship there by saying don't don't you come saying as the lord lives because mm -hmm. you're doing all this other crazy stuff 
kind of thing. So there's definitely this potential for they're worshiping a pantheon of false gods quite literally alongside of the real God. Right. So they're reading their horoscopes and going to church. Mm. Yeah, I called you out if you're doing While that. in church. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and in, in here we have... Um, I just brain farted. Okay. Yep. Uh, you watch the hierarchy come down. Uh, if the first section was addressing the priest, the next section is addressing the men. Mm. So it's yeah. God going down in order of uh, the responsibility <coughs> at the times. So it was a male-dominated society. So you definitely had the responsibility being placed on the men who were supposed to protect the women and keep them from these things. Instead, they're encouraging them to partake in it mm-hmm. as well. So it's it, you're watching that. The priests are influencing the land. The men are not standing up against it, and the men aren't teaching truth. Instead, they're allowing their wives, fiancés, girlfriends, daughters, etc., to partake in these sexual deviancies. And not even allowing it. They're participating right, in it. Right, they're so encouraging. They are, and they, yeah. are, they are doing those acts. And if men wouldn't even show up, then women wouldn't even be put in that place to do that. So, like, right. you literally have a participation of, of all of the leaders within society um, very much playing an active role and so even here, um, we, we see where, again, that's, that's continued. The, you're right, the, the hierarchy, or what would you call that, the downward? Yeah, the, basically the flow of responsibility. Right. And that's what, what's interesting is uh, he says, I will not punish the daughters when they play the whore, not the brides when they commit adultery. For the men themselves go aside with prostitutes and sacrifice with cult prostitutes, and people without understanding shall come to ruin. Uh, the last sentence of that says that everybody that's involved here is going to come to ruin. Despite the fact he will not punish the women, they will still come to ruin just as the men will. So he's basically saying, men, you're leading the women to ruin the same that you're going to. I'm not punishing them, but you're taking them there right along with you. Mm -hmm. Your sin is not a solo thing. It's going to take out a whole people group. Yeah. And then we have a warning to Judah, um, verse 15, though you play the whore, O Israel, northern kingdom, let not Judah become guilty, southern kingdom. Um, enter not into Gilgal or Beth Haven, which are some um, very popular cultic did, Baal worship sites. Did you see what Beth Haven means? Um, I don't know if I got that. Um, it means the house of nothing or the house of evil. Ooh, that's harsh. Okay. Neither, neither of those are nice. No. <laughs> I say that That's like... I don't know. Why would you even go there if it's like known as the house of evil or the house of... Don't go to Gilgal. That's a shrine to evil. And don't go to Beth Haven. That's, that's a pretty evil place, too. It's like, shouldn't <laughs> the name just say, don't come here? Like, yeah, Right. <laughs> I mean... Like, yeah, I don't usually sign up for the, oh, man, the house of evil. Let's go, guys. Right. I'm not yeah. going to go to a place that says the house of slaughter and murder. Right. Um, bring your own gun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, but yeah. Okay. No, I didn't, re- didn't realize that. Yeah. It's kind of, <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's finish off with 17 through 19. Yeah. Ephraim is joined to idols. Leave him alone. When their drink is gone, they give themselves to whoring. Their rulers dearly love shame. A wind has wrapped them in its wings and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. Um, so the rulers dearly love shame uh also translates out i had some good conversations um they love the shame on her shields okay what's that mean uh the shields are either 
A, the rulers of Israel. So he's addressing the, uh, basically like the, uh, I forgot what they're called. Man, I'm gone. Like the symbol that you would see on a shield, the banner, the in, the symbol of the nation. Right. Um, he says, or it could be the symbols used in cultic practices. Uh, option B is, in my notes, says that makes the most sense in the context. So the symbol used in cultic practices. So the rulers dearly love their her shield meaning they love to go in and do the cultic practices okay so but yeah okay i i did learn that there is no there in hebrew okay um everything's either a her or a him or a he or a she really so when you do that you would not say they love the shame on their shields okay. they would specifically point to a a person okay. a her or a him really yeah. okay i didn't know that so i didn't uh, know that if that's wrong you can correct me, but I, I learned that from a Hebrew guy. Okay. So I don't know Hebrew guy. Well, it's on you guys. Yep. <laughs> I kind of feel bad for him. I'll just text him every once in a while. Hey, man. <laughs> well, when, you know, Hosea 18. <laughs> what you got? <laughs> He's like, 20 minutes later, I got a book. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have where he mentioned um, basically they, they are stubborn. Um, they are stuck in their own sin. Um, in a sense, um, they're stuck because a spirit, a wind is sweeping them away deeper into their own sin. Um, ultimately, where they're so stuck in their own sin, they can't get out of it and get away from it um, is kind of how she kind of talked about that, where they are just so into their whoredom that they they have no escape um, to the point where um, I think she continues to go back to kind of God being the rescuer and they're so far in it where they can't really even get away with what they're doing. <coughs> yeah, uh, my commentary said something just a little bit different, but I can see how it fits indefinitely. Uh, it says the wind here could be talking about God's divine uh, judgment carrying them away, and then once exposed to his divine judgment, they will be sorry and have uh, only shame left. Okay. So that's a potential... Because at the end it says, and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. Okay. The only thing they'll have left after the this being wrapped up in everything, including the judgment, they're going to come to and say, oh, I've got nothing left but my shame. Right. But yeah, either either or. I'm not a, I didn't, I didn't ask my scholar about that. Yeah. And I'm not one, so. I don't have a scholar. Yeah. I need a scholar. It's like a dog, you know, like. You know, hey, hey boy. Yeah. If he um, hears this podcast, he will not be my scholar anymore <laughs> i didn't say that out loud <laughs> uh, i can edit okay i won't but i can right okay <laughs> um now I, I did like how so elizabeth ends this section um and i'm going to read exactly what she said because i don't know how to summarize it um in any way that would i, I just don't know how <laughs> so here's kind of what she says um so this is her summary or how she ends this section Israel, um, in its worship of the fertility gods and goddesses, is captive to a spirit of harlotry. That is the major theme of this oracle, and it is a theme that Hosea will develop further in chapter 5. The Israelites are unable to repent and mend their ways. They cannot relinquish their worship of the Baals and obey the covenant commands, uh, commandments of their God. They are slaves of their sin, and unless God does away with the Baals and gives the Israelites a new nature, bestowing on them a faithfulness that they do not have in themselves, they cannot reform what the people cannot do for themselves. God must do for them, otherwise they are lost. Nice. Um, I mean, not nice. But right. nice. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just didn't know how to 
I was like, that, that'd be good. And I was even debating, I was like, that just might be a good way to start chapter five too, um, because it kind of just does a good lead in into, well, here, here's how these two oracles kind of stick together and, and kind of how, how it moves the themes of, of Hosea forward. Yeah. All right. I got a whole else. no, yeah, a whole chapter. I'm. I, I, it kind of wraps up in a matter of factish. Um, if you are a little bit dismayed by like, hey, his commentary says that, and his says that, and it seems like Elizabeth is saying this, and his scholars saying that, Hosea is a difficult to translate book. Um, so don't be surprised if that happens here and there. Of course, we had to start with Hosea, right? Right. Yeah. Um. Once again, that comes down to some of the factors of, uh. Apparently, Hosea was not well known. Um, we don't know a lot about him. We don't know how they kept his journal together. We don't know um, what venues he spoke in or what his audiences were. So uh, kind of bear with us on that as we make our ways through it. That's right. the last time I'm apologizing for it. All right. Good deal. <laughs> you, you'll probably forget and apologize next yeah, week. Yeah, I will next week. Cool. Um, all, right. all right, guys. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, and uh, that's all I got. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.